Before we get started, I'd just like to warn everyone, there is a language warning on this show. It's not us, it's not me, it's not Trev, it's Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. But let's get on with the show. I'm going to make him an offer, Cameron. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennec. Go ahead. Make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. G'day. Welcome, everybody, to the best movies you've never seen. This is the podcast where I, Stephen Fennec, have watched a movie that I've watched numerous times and introduced it to my good friend, Trevor Long, who's never seen this before. And this is a great example. We're watching Heat, and I can confirm before this podcast, Trevor Long had never seen this before. Trevor, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Um, you, you've had some some solid hits, couple of misses, um, but I'm I'm yeah. learning. I'm I'm being educated as a Hollywood this is movie a, buff. It's an all time favourite of mine. This one. This was released in 1995 in the US, early '96 in Australia. This is a heist classic written and directed by Michael Mann, and stars two of Hollywood's titans in Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, who uh, it's, they're at the top mm. of their game. It's incredible. It's actually based, yeah. though, you're not going to believe this. It's actually based on a true story. True story of a criminal really? uh, who was an ex-Alcatraz inmate who, in reality, was tracked down by a detective in the 60s. So similar kind of cat and mouse game they played in the film. This was based on okay. reality, believe it or not. Well, there's a couple of moments in this film I'm going to quiz you on to, to see whether there's based sure. they're based in reality because they, sure. they were. I know it well enough Very to good. answer any of your questions, Trevor. But did you you had some impressions before this movie? Were you aware of it at all, or what was the story there? No, this is up there with honestly, I know nothing. Uh, I I couldn't have named an actor. Um, I would have passed on a millionaire question. Nothing. Uh, you know, the title doesn't even give away what it's about, and obviously. And this is the the funny thing about doing the show is you got to remember that if you're you know reviewing movies, uh, you know the week they released, you've seen the trailer at the very least. I've got nothing. I'm not watching the trailer. I'm just going straight in on the movie. And sometimes it's like, wow, 
So yeah, no, I knew. But absolutely when you saw the, the cast list, did you you know of Al Pacino? You know who Robert De Niro is? Could you pick them up in a police lineup or what? Yeah, as 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 soon as they started appearing yeah. on screen, and there's a there's a couple, one in particular that I will bring up in in a moment. But as soon as they started appearing on screen, I, I started realizing this was yes. this was all so stuff. You said, oh, "I know him. I know him. I know him. I know her." Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, the. The Michael Mann had a run of hits before this, so he he had Last of the Mohicans, which was a big big movie, Manhunter, Thief. He also produced. Do you remember the Miami Vice TV series back in the eighties? Remember that series? He was a producer mm, of that. Yeah. So plenty of expectations uh, when this movie was announced, and I think they not only met them but exceeded those expectations. He also went on to direct after this The Insider, which starred our very own Russell Crowe. And he teamed up with Al Pacino, who was in that film as well. He also went on to make Ali. We're based on the life of Muhammad Ali with uh, Will Smith. And a great movie that will be on our list called Collateral, uh, starring uh, our man Tom Cruise was in that film. How'd you find the three-hour runtime, mate? Near three hours. Two hours, 50. How'd you cope? Did that seem to pass quickly? It took me... It took me a touch by surprise straight up. Uh, I didn't expect... I never expected it to be three hours, so that that was that stilted my plans. Um, but uh, without spoiling my my thoughts, oh, no, yeah, it, it no, good flew to know. by. Good to know. But you know the outrage about this movie: zero Oscar nominations. Outrageous! Outrageous! Oh, wow. The 1996 Oscars. That was the Oscars that was dominated by Braveheart. Braveheart won Best Picture. Mel Gibson oh, won yeah. for Best Director, won for Best Cinematography. Nicolas Cage won Best Actor for Leaving Las Vegas. Kevin Spacey for Best Supporting Actor for The Usual Suspects. None of our guys got a look in. Not even Mark Mann as the director. I thought that Outrageous. was that's criminal. Anyway, we're about to dive into the film, everybody. And this is your last exit before the freeway. If you haven't watched Heat, like Trevor, you should go away and watch it right now. Then come back and because we're going to spoil spoil everything. We're going to go through all the memorable scenes. So if you haven't seen it, you can catch it on Fetch. Absolutely. And uh, do what I did and uh, search up on Fetch. Just search for Heat. And it'll tell you whether or not it's available on which platforms you have. And I think the, the beautiful thing about the universal search on Fetch is if, you, no, if you've signed into your Netflix, you've signed into your Stan and your Amazon Prime and all those different services on your Fetch box, it'll then tell you where you can watch this movie. It'll tell you whether it's an additional fee, uh, for example, if it was a, a movie on Amazon Prime, but most importantly, you can rent and buy it on the uh, Fetch Movie Store. In this case, it was also available to stream on Netflix, so I was able to watch it as a part of my subscription. So you don't always have to buy and rent your movies. They're sometimes they're ready to go on streaming platforms, and all of those things are part of the Fetch service, whether you've got the Fetch Mighty or the Mini, and you can get a Fetch box from your leading retailers or uh, check with your internet provider to see whether Fetch is a service they offer you on a monthly subscription. Alrighty, let's get on with the show. We're going to start talking about the movie now. And first of all, give us your, what, what's your impressions and your tweet about this? So initially, what were your thoughts? Oh, mate, I was all in. As soon as I realized this was kind of, you know, gangster robbery, cops and robbers style, Mate, I was all in. Like it, it, it had me, mate. The, and we'll get to the scenes, but this was like hit after hit, up scene after scene. There, there wasn't a yeah. downtime in it, and I that, that's that's what I thought was amazing. I actually, unfortunately, had to watch this over two sittings, like I because I started watching it at night. I'm like, I got to get up in the morning. So I, I, I did find a moment that I felt was kind of perfect to 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 stop down and then start again first thing in the morning. 
Um, mate, it was it was epic. I, I sort of thought about it in terms of you know the tweet, and this is, I think this is the first time I'm actually going to say this about a movie. How have I gone through my <laughs> life not seeing heat? This is an all-star cast, fast-paced strip, <laughs> a gang of thieves. And I, I, when I was said, more complex than Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Get on it. Like, like I've seen Ocean's Eleven because my wife watches it every three days. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine. Um, so, you know, I know the complexity of that heist, but I just feel like this storyline was so much so much yeah. more and – yeah, mate. So it's, Trevor it's, was it's living a in a cave when this movie came out. So didn't didn't see it. I saw this in the <laughs> cinema not only once, but I think I think I saw it twice in the cinema. Watched it many more times at home as well. It's one of those movies that once you start watching it, you just can't pull out. You got to watch the thing to the end. It's it's oh, it just yeah, gets you. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's literally like you said, cops and robbers, but on an epic scale. All right, now let's move into the cast and what a cast we've got. Al Pacino plays Vincent Hanna. Yeah. He was, of course, in The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, Scarface, won an Oscar for Scent of a Woman. He plays Lieutenant Vincent Hanna. Robert De Niro plays his nemesis, Neil McCauley. And, of course, you know Robert De Niro from Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, The King of Comedy. Now, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Yeah, of course. Of other, course. other people who've watched movies know what I'm talking about. But Al Pacino and Robert <laughs> De Niro have been in a film together. I will save that for the things you might not know. I will explain how they were okay. in a film together, but not in the same scene together. I'll, I'll explain that a bit later. Al Kilmer oh. was also in this. You remember, have you seen Top Gun? He was he played Iceman in Top Gun. He was also in The Doors. Also played Batman. Did you know that Phil Cal- Val Kilmer was Batman in Batman Forever? Did you recognize? I, I did not know that. Can I, can I just say that yeah. on Val Kilmer? Because he's yes, the bloke with the right. ponytail, Chris right? Chihurlis character. How's he? I wouldn't recognize him in a lineup. So just so you know, was, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he was in Top Gun, but I don't. Tom Cruise is the only person okay. I know from Top Gun. Um, Val Kilmer is Brad Pitt. Like, I just, this whole movie, I'm thinking, <laughs> what's Brad Pitt doing <laughs> in this movie? Did you mistake? Are you kidding me? Really? How are they not doppelgangers okay. for each other? Yeah, they're similar. I wouldn't say they're identical. Do you not see that? I'm just losing Brad my mind pony as soon as he walked in. <laughs> well, that's the thing. As an actor, I just I could imagine him. In fact, I'm sure I've seen him oh, in a movie with a ponytail. The ponytail. Did you recognise John Voight? He played Nate. Yes. So oh, was, yes. Because yeah. you know why? Um, exactly. Ray yes. I was, he was not only in Ray yeah. Donovan. He was also, and you'll rec- you have to go back and watch this. He was in an episode of Seinfeld. John Seinfeld. Voight, yeah, remember, the remember pencil. George Voight, sir, John Voight's car. The, it's John, John spelled with a H. Yeah, it, J-O-N. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The pencil bite on it in the in the, in the glove box. So yeah, there. John Voight, big big star. Midnight Cowboy, Deliverance, Mission Impossible, some big movies he was in. Diana Diana Venora plays Justine Al Pacino's of oh, Vincent Hanna's uh, wife. He was in The Insider, as I mentioned, with Russell Crowe. Uh, she was in The Insider. She plays Russell Crowe's wife in The Insider. She was also in the TV series Criminal Minds later on. Did you recognise a very young Natalie Portman? This movie, Natalie Portman no. plays Lauren, you know, the stepdaughter who has the attempted suicide yeah. near the end. Remember, she so she was this was yeah. only her second film ever after Leon the Professional wow. that she made, and that's on our list, by the way. Leon the Professional, great film. Did you recognize Bosco Ted Levine? He was in a movie we've already covered, so he was the guy that gets oh, shot in the neck by Val Kilmer in the bank heist. Bosco, he was kind of one of the guys, one of Al Pacino's men. 
Don't know. Didn't recognise. Do you recognise his voice? He played Buffalo Bill in Doesn't Silence of the Lambs. Jump at me. Remember the guy? Oh, Remember that guy? Right, he, okay. At the end, he says, oh, just, yeah. was she a really big fat person? Remember that guy at the end? And she, Jodie Foster goes into his house. Uh, that was yes, Ted Levine. Right. Yes, fact, I got you there. Ted Levine yep. was originally offered the part of Wayne Grove. Remember the dude who comes in as part of the crew? Turned it down because he didn't want to be typecast as a bad guy. So he played the part of Bosco <laughs> instead. So he got he swapped roles. Alrighty, we're about to jump into the memorable scenes, but before we do that, I'd like to talk to you about our other great sponsor, Hisense, and the amazing TVs you could be watching to enjoy the greatest movies you've never seen. And it's all about a big screen. It's go big or go home with Hisense. They do have screens up to 85 inches. If you opt for an 8K TV, it's got artificial intelligent upscaling. It's also got quantum dot technology built in as well. So the picture looks amazing. 4K, high dynamic range, so your movies will look better than ever before. There's also the VDAR U operating system. So it's a smart TV, has all your streaming apps. But most importantly, that quality and the screen size for you to enjoy some of these movies that we're talking about and so many, many more. There's so much content you can access through the system but uh, and in great quality through their quantum dot technology the Hisense TVs, give them a try. And as we we like to say, go big or go home. Get the 85 inch TV. Home. You will not regret it. You'll not ever say, oh, that TV is too small. You, In fact, you'll be so used to a big screen TV, you'll look at every other TV and go, how, how, how does someone watch TV on something so small? That's pretty much how that I go how through life. It. If you want to find out yep. more, head over to Hisense.com.au. Are you ready to dive into the movie, Trev? I absolutely well, it really gets am. off to a flyer. So the, the the first memorable scene we're going to talk about is the armoured car heist. So here's you're seeing the crew operating. They're really efficient, really organised, yep. and they knock off this armoured yeah. this armoured car. We see them all coming together. De Niro or um, Macaulay steals the the ambulance. Then they got the truck, and then Val Kilmer's got the explosives, and they're all they're all set. Just so efficient. This is that moment where I first had that moment of kind of, and I, I thought it's a terrible analogy, but the Ocean's Eleven thing, just because it's a, one of very few movies I've seen. But it was the precision here. It's all of this heist was all about timing and precision, and everyone had their role to play. It was so well executed, you know, the the, the truck coming down, all that stuff. It was speaking really, of really executed, well Wayne Grow, who was the outsider, the <laughs> offsider, he uh, he he thinks one of the guards is eyeballing him, and I think uh, Michael says to him, "Goes look, idiot, that stuff coming out of their ears, they can't hear a thing because they blew up the remember they they used the shape charge, and so yeah. he he eyeballs him, he shoots him, and then look from then on, it's they've got to shoot them all. It's uh, they had to they they were all executed, and we. We sort of we see how efficient they are. They had the timer. Remember, he goes that they hear the radio call go out. He goes, right, oh, yeah. you got three minutes. And they weren't just going to scour the whole thing for the cash. They knew exactly what they were looking for. They were the bearer bonds. So that, that's, that just shows a sign of uh, just how professional they are. And of course, once it's all said and done, they get away. And then Al Pacino, or I should say, Vincent Hanna, arrives on the scene. Recognize the mo. Mo is that they're good. Once it escalated into a murder one B for all of them after they killed the first two guards, they didn't hesitate. Pop guard number three, because what difference does it make? Why leave a living witness? Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. So we know pretty much that the, the game's on. 
there's this crew yeah. and there's there's Al, because in that scene too, do you remember he's saying, okay, you, you look, see if we can trace the charge, see if you can do this. So it's on. Yeah, he's in he charge. He the tell case right away. Robbery, What's homicide. interesting here is this is, I thought about, I, I was watching this bit, mate, and I was thinking, you know, Al Pacino, De Niro. Yeah. like set, it, I think it was set in the present day, you know, sort of uh, mid-90s. Yeah. But do you know what I, I was thinking at that point? Imagine if they swapped roles. Like, imagine you're you're trying to cast these two in a in a movie, and I I thought to myself, I could see them both playing either, but it was it's the it's the right result because Pacino, the way he plays this yeah. cop is just I think they got so, it right too. Having so De Niro's real. got more of yeah. an edge to him, I reckon, sort of more of a the darker edge to him. That's why he played that Macaulay so well. But the the next the next thing we see is, you know, the, there's all the drama with Wayne Grow, how he overreacted. Like they they wanted to carry out the job without killing anyone. They, they had hockey masks on. They weren't going to be yeah. identified. But Wayne Grow kind of painted him into a corner. They go to the diner. And do you remember that scene where they're sitting there and De Niro grabs him by the head, smacks his head on the table and smacks his head in the window? Smacks Apparently on the set. Brutal. The actor who played Wayne Graves, a dude named Kevin Gage, and he told De Niro beforehand, he goes, mate, don't hold back, bash my head in, just go for it. So that that him hitting the table and the window, that's legit. Like He actually smacked his head into the table. He, he went for it. What? <laughs> it was uh, – they, uh, they, it was, it was a great scene, and they take him. Do you remember? Did this surprise? They took him outside, and you, you kind of knew what was going to happen here. They're going to, they're going to execute this bloke. Yeah. And remember when Treo opened the boot of the car? And it's all lined with all plastic. plastic line. Hello, this can't be good. And, uh, and Michael, who was <laughs> keeping watch, there's a police car came by, and uh, Wayne Gray got away. Yeah. I find that that was, I, that was hard to believe this... that they let that they let him go like that. It was, it was a little bit. Yeah, how, how he was just there. He's under your boot. Like, how are you going to go? Yeah, like, how would he not have kept a, yeah, an eye on yeah. him, a foot on him, you know, something, uh, you know, held his held his hair in his hand or something, you know, like, it, this is a critical problem for them that they're trying to solve and let they let him run away. And frankly, the very fact that he can run away is a bit of a plot hole. Like, yeah, you know, well, we it's need, pretty hard we to need run away him as, designer, we, but, as we uh, progress through the movie. He is he does come back later in the movie and sort of cause all kinds of mayhem. But um, yes. we see also uh, when Macaulay goes to his empty mansion, he he we also see Chris, you know, with his with his wife Charlene, and we see the tension between him and the missus. We we find out he's got a bit of a gambling problem, and you know all the money he's making is not quite paying off the debts. We see Macaulay in this big empty mansion, which which sort of to me think says that. He's kind of a loner. Macaulay's a loner. I I read um I didn't read loner. I read nomad. Yeah. Kind of this is he's not a guy that settles down. You know what I mean? Like why buy, why why fill the cupboards when yeah. you're not going to be here for long? That that was. But what he I does took from meet that. Edie, who remember he goes to the bookshop. That's kind of our next scene here, when he he buys a book about metals, and he Edie strikes up a conversation. Lady, why are you so interested in what I read or what I do? seen you in the store from time to time. What store? Missy and Ingalls. I went there. If you don't want to talk to me, it's okay. Sorry I bothered you. So not, not the best approach from Macaulay. <laughs> and he kind of is, he, that, that says to me that he's very guarded on what he does and who he sees and where he goes. And 
Well, I didn't think that was a personality thing. I thought that was just more about the fact that he's reading a book about precious metals because they're about to rob yeah. a precious metal oh, like repository, basically. In titanium you know, and stuff, and yeah. He's, he's looking at every single person as a potential, you know, uh, investigator. So I just took it as being standoffish about anyone interfering yeah. in his business. But he feels bad about it. I think he, he eventually introduced himself and said apologises. And, and yeah. mate, he ends up going back to hers as well. So not, not, not the worst result for him. Can I, can I just say there's a moment here where I think they go up on a roof or something and and it happens a few times in this movie where they're they're shot with a like a nighttime background. Okay, it's horrible. Well, keep, like a green keep screen. That, keep that thought. They there is another scene that I'll explain. There's a couple of scenes where they're at his place. No, they're at her place both times. So he never goes to her, his place. That's her place overlooking yeah. the uh, overlooking the valley there. But keep that now. Hold yeah. that thought. But she does eventually tell him that he's a, okay. a graphic designer, and that she's got you know she's right. she's hoping to to advance in her in her life there through her graph. Like she says, she designs menus and stuff and albums, covers and things like that. And uh, so her and Neil they get it on. Next thing we see though is because Hannah meeting his informant, and he busts in on this guy who's trying to make excuses for not contacting him sooner. And this is probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. Today, you're wasting my motherfucking time. Listen, man, listen. Did you fall in love? Come on. Did you fall in love last night? You went off somewhere? This. Just tell me that. I'll, I'll settle for it. You know what I mean? I'll buy that. Listen. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I swear, man, my brother, man, my brother, my brother Richard's going to talk to you. Give me all you got. Now, in, in that scene, which is like, that's typical Pacino, right? The right. I understood an earlier version of the script had Hannah as having a drug problem, as having a, a cocaine problem. And that scene right. where he sort of suddenly, give me all you got, he's sort of acting pretty erratically, was supposed to be the scene where you see the before that that he's, he's doing coke and he's, he's not quite stable. But they decided to cut out that right. subplot, which I'm, I'm actually happy about that. So we're moving on now. Neil, uh, Nate, our man, our man Nate takes Neil to meet this dude to talk to him about the this possible bank score, and they're talking about the the job. And I, I found this after he told him everything, and he decided uh, that he wanted to go ahead with it. I, I found this this little, brief little exchange really interesting. What's he asking me? Twelve point one, twelve point two million. You're on. Congratulations. <laughs> You're on. Congratulations. Congratulations. As soon as there's money. As soon as, as, soon as there's money. Congratulate him. So that the, the deal was there that he took, I think it was going to cost him 100000 for the information and that that dude would get 10% yeah. of whatever they take. So he said to him, congratulations. Yeah. But I like this next bit, though, where he's asking him where he got the information. As I was saying, that's not really an estimate. Those are exact figures. I had a print on here of the uh, cash flow of the bank for the past two months. How do you get this information? It just comes to you. This stuff just flies through the air. They send <laughs> this information out. I mean, it's just beamed out all over the fucking place. You want to just know how to grab it. See, I know how to grab it. Is he telling us he's an early adopter of the internet right there? That's the internet. No, I, I read that as being all radio wave uh, okay. transmission. So, you know, uh, data transmitted via radio waves, easily intercepted, not okay. encrypted. In the same way that the police radios in this were not encrypted right. or in any way. So... Yeah, I didn't see it as being the internet. I saw it as being 
you know, the way that banks so he wasn't, communicated. He wasn't AOL's first customer or nothing. This was all radio waves, you reckon? Right. <laughs> no, he, may, he may have been, though. He may have been. I love how he, he does accept that. And meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, Nate is on the phone to Van Zant. Remember how the deal was that he wants to give him yeah, this is the this is a really really fascinating thing because it, it was kind of an insight into the the criminal mind, right? So we've got we've just stolen these bonds, and you assume they go into it thinking they're worth X number of dollars, but then someone suggests that that actually what they could do is actually sell them back to the person they stole them off because they would have had the yeah. insurance money, so they don't care, and they're going to buy them at a lower rate, so we're going to get you know, way more money than we thought. I thought, it, like, it was a really interesting insight. No, like, an average Joe would never yeah. think but, but of Nate, that kind of thing, right? That's not in our realm Nate of possibility. Nate kept saying to him, he goes, yeah, he's agreed. He goes, look, he's, Nate says, he's a businessman. He knows the deal. It's, it's business. Yeah. So we, this, the, they then arrange uh, the next, the next memorable scene, a couple of scenes after that, when we see De Niro's on a public telephone, arranging to meet, yeah. uh, to swap, to to do the deal on over the bonds, he was talking to uh, to Van Zant, yep. but across the road he sees Chris Shahurla's wife with another dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of scenes later, yep. they've done the deal with Van Zant. They make an arrangement to meet to to do the swap at the drive-in, and he says, "Okay, yes. come alone." And Neil Neil's there alone, but he's he's too smart. He's too smart for him. There, there was an ambush here, so I think Van Zant said, "Guess what? It's okay to steal my money." So he he set out to set up to ambush Macaulay, but Macaulay's just too smart. So he had he had Chris he had Chris on yeah. the roof with a sniper rifle. He had Michael there as well. And yeah. do you know what I love about this little ambush though? Um, you know, obviously it's your typical ambush. You know, they're gonna they're gonna roll in for the cash and all that stuff. But it wasn't like you know sniper on the roof and other person there. It wasn't like they just went bang bang. They're all dead. Like. It, it was yeah. it was played out. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I think what it, what was so good about this movie was you could easily write in or even direct or produce a thing where the exchange doesn't happen. Sniper, bang bang, they're dead, and then they move on to the next bit. But it made it yeah. rolled out. You're like, oh my god, is he going to get away? Like it really like stretched the guy out the drama. Was, remember trying to sneak around the back, and Chris had eyes on him through binoculars on the roof. And he said, "Oh, bloke, yeah, back back so right." Behind you. And then he backs in the memory. Tries to crush the guy between the cars. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. then Chris starts yeah. firing at the guy and then the other dude in the big pickup truck tries to drive out and then Michael pops out and uh, and cleans his clock after that. But, but the dude in the pickup, what I'm saying is the dude in the pickup truck, you'd think with a sniper on the roof, just one shot, he's gone, done. But, mate, they made it. They made that that, that car, yeah. that truck, that bloke took shots. Yeah. You know, it was really drawn out. It was a good scene. They were scene. throwing down for sure. But, of course... McCauley's not happy about what happened, and he, he places a call back to our man Van Zant. Yeah, Roger Van Zant. Yeah, who's this? You know what this is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I sent a guy to deliver the package. He didn't call. Is everything right? Tell you what, forget the money. What? Forget the money. What? It's a lot of money. What, what, what are you doing? What do you mean, forget the money? What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this fucking line. That's a great line. That's so a Van great Zandt line. then starts living in his office. He doesn't go anywhere. He's he's, he's messed yeah. around with the wrong bloke. We could say that. 
So we've uh, what's what's occurring now? The surveillance has already started on the crew. We see them at dinner, so they're already spying yep. on. They're picking them all out. The detectives, though, this is what I like about the movie: how it sort of play it portrays the the crew, so the the robbers in their own their own little dinner scene, and then we see the police, the detectives in their own little scene. But in in the, and I also like the fact that at this point there, it it shows because the it shows the the cops are kind of on them. It shows that they're they're making progress with their investigation because you wouldn't just you know it wouldn't be slow. This is a this is a triple murder, robbery like this is huge. This would be a serious investigation. They would be making Absolutely. this progress. And we see and typical thing that happens is oh hang on the beeper goes off. Hannah's got to go away. Wayne grows killed the prostitute and just so happens that Hannah has to go to see what happens there. That was a really sad scene. The mother was there and it was, you know, Wayne, just setting up Wayne Grow is a real bastard. He's just, he's, he's done this before apparently. And he's just, just the scum of the earth. Uh, He goes, but also setting up Hannah as having emotions, right? Cause he's like reaching out to the mother and, you know, there's a lot of really key scene when he goes back and he's talking to, to Justine and she's there waiting in the restaurant all by herself. And uh, so he says, well, why don't you let Bosco take you home? He goes, oh, I didn't want to ruin his night either. But he, here's this really interesting exchange they have when, when he gets back. I told you when we hooked up, baby, that you were going to have to share me with all the bad people and all the ugly events on this planet. And I bought into that sharing because I love you. I love you fat, bald, money, no money, driving a bus. I don't care. But you have got to be present like a normal guy some of the time. That's sharing. This is not sharing. This is leftovers. Oh, I see. What I should do is uh, come home and say, hi, honey. Guess what? I walked into this house today where this <laughs> junky asshole just fried his baby in a microwave because it was crying too loud. So let me share that with you. <laughs> so this is the start of the, you know, the, 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 the subplot of the movie is, is, is Hannah and Justine and they're he describes it on the downslope of a marriage. They're, they're struggling. They've got a stepdaughter who's yep. all, all, all screwed up because a stepfather never picks her up on time. And um, he, she does sum him up, though, how he has to – remember, he said, look, you've got to share me with all the bad people. And she sums him up. Yeah, she goes, yeah, this is she not sharing. She sums him up perfectly with this. With this, thing, this. You live among the remains of dead people. Oh. You read the terrain. You search for signs of passing, for the scent of your prey, and then you hunt them down. That's the only thing you're committed to. The rest is the mess you leave as you pass through. What I don't understand is why I can't cut loose of you. So the, the you can see the cracks on the wall there. This, this relationship it's putting a strain on it. And the, 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 another sort of theme of the movie is that just as as dedicated as De Niro is, as Macaulay is for to to pull off his scores and to to be the best at what he could do, Hannah's also kind of as dedicated as well. So we it's just setting it up. Yeah, they're both yeah, the best. Setting the it best. up for this incredible yeah. battle between them. So the next thing we get to is the platinum job. So we, we did hear that they were – well, Neil bought a book on metals and they, this was a setup. And as part of their surveillance – remember, they started surveillance earlier. They did know. They said, oh, wait till they say come out of this. They're going to find us outside the door. 
And there, remember, they were in the they were doing the stakeout. They were sort of in these trucks across the road from the platinum place in the in a yard, and they were there listening with infrared. Yes. And yeah. this, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, this this may be one of my favourite scenes because you can imagine the tension. Right, you've got you're sitting in this truck. They're in these trucks. It would be like I thought about it. It'd be yeah. sweaty. It'd be it'd be awful. It, it'd smell because you're with all these other people. Um, and you've and the, the the crew are just across the road doing their thing, and it's kind of oblivious to yeah. anything going on around them. Well, they, like think, it's, they think no one's it's there. Really for a start. kind of completely separate, but it's it's shot so well that you're kind of bouncing between the two. You're seeing what they're seeing. You're seeing, you know, the I think infrared, it's an infrared yeah. camera. Him, there's a yeah. bunch of there's a bunch of things they're doing there to really get that going, and I. I just love the fact that there's this annoying bloke. There's this annoying cop. You know, he's not. He's one of the the general duties cops. Yeah. He's not one of the detectives, and he's annoying. He's annoying him so badly, and he's the guy that when he sits down, his gun or something makes a noise on the yeah. side of the truck, and that's the thing that they yeah. hear across the road. And he goes, "Hang so on, that triggers you." I like what they do there, where the the reaction shot of 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 Macaulay is the infrared shot. You see, his sort of head sort of turn or twist around. He sort of looks up at the at the truck through the infrared camera and so he walks inside yep. i think hannah looks around and looks at the like looks just throws daggers at this bloke by looking at him and um, ha- um macaulay goes in and tells them we're out we walk and and, mm-hmm. and i think um Shirley saying, even even that little scene where where the the, the noise has happened and, and it's neil right he's he's standing there he's in the shadow so they can't see him because the infrared, it's like with the infrared, they make it very clear that his head turns and his yeah. eyes look. It's like just in the infrared, and that's the moment that the detectives know it's over. It's it's, it's and it's a big decision. Like this was a big job of theirs, but he knew any little any doubt in his mind, he's out of there. And and so then yeah. we move on to the. They know that the they they obviously find out that there was some kind of surveillance on them. Because the next scene, he's asking, you know, where the hell did this heat come from? And they're they're wondering what their next move is. Maybe it's the score they're on to, the place, not us. Because it's been hit a couple of times, you know, something. Assume they got our phones, assume they got our houses, assume they got us right here, right now, as we sit, everything. Assume it all. Now we're going to buy the bank package from Pelson. I'll front that. That's not a problem. Well, what the hell happens to Van Zandt on 750? Van Zandt, listen, with the heat we got, you want to play World War II in the streets with Van Zandt? No, I want my 750. When he gets a pass, I got more motivation to whack Van Zandt than either of you. He is a fucking luxury. So they're facing the prospect here where, and this was the first time in the movie, he says, this, if you f- sense the heat around the corner, that's obviously where the movie gets its name from. Yes. Be prepared to walk out in 30 seconds flat. We go our separate ways. Adios. We don't see each other ever again. So this is sort of the part of the movie where they yes. got to decide. Is the bank job worth the risk? And they all eventually yes. agree. Yeah, they all eventually agree. Yeah. It's also the first true solid reference yes. to heat, and yeah. you're like, oh my god, heat around the corner. He does mention that. He, he says that line a few, three times in the movie, and he said it to Chris earlier in the film when he was uh, found him asleep at his house. Remember after he had his argument? But the next scene is a yeah. funny one yeah. too. It's another favourite. Where so you got to remember that. Chris's wife Charlene has been so stepping out with this dude named Alan from Las Vegas, and they then yep. confront Alan to for, for him to give her up and her husband and his whole crew. And 
he's uh, he, he eventually said, I think I love the line where and it was a similar line in Wall, Wall Street. He says, I'm Detective Hannah from LA, from LAPD. And he says, who? He goes, what, are you a fucking owl? Similar to the line in Wall Street. And the event, the setup yep. was that he has some warrants or something in Jersey. He goes, these guys could detain you. You got outstanding warrants or something in New Jersey. He goes, you can either help us or you're off to jail in Jersey. And then he wonders yep. why they, they they know that he's been uh, doing doing the deed with Charlene, and uh, they he says, "Oh, I wonder why." Yes, I regret talking to that girl. I just why did I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass, and you got your head all the way up it. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. <laughs> Now, a little tip here, mate. According to, and I've listened to the audio commentary on the DVD. So there's a Michael Mann talks over the movie for the whole the whole thing. Now, in that commentary, yeah. he said that line of Al Pacino's was improvised. That was not in the script. Yeah, that right. he's because she's got a great ass. That was uh, improvised. And Hank Azaria, who is the guy who playing playing Alan, confirmed that. Do you, Hank Azaria? You probably no, don't recognize his face. But you might, you will have heard his, his voice. voice. He voices a lot of the Simpsons characters. Did you know that? Harry Hank Azaria, yep. yeah. So um, we're, we've moved on now. Neil, now they know the the crew knows that they the 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 cops are on their tail. They they they've got to try to. There's this cat yep. and mouse game is is happening. And Neil, what Neil does, he takes them out to the docks to like pretend that they're planning a heist. And of course, the LAPD is watching them. And what does the LAPD do? They go to this. They go to where they were to try to work out. Well, there's a refinery over there. There's a again. This is this uh, is such a great scene because you you obviously you watching it now know what they're doing. But I at the time going okay. So they're gonna they got to work out their escape route here. They're gonna rob a bank. They've got to have alternative uh, ways to go. And you realize, oh man, you're literally pointing to the police where you're gonna be at all times. But when it turns on its head and the cops are standing in that position and one of them just looks around and he goes, no. And he just realises in that moment that they've been had. got an idea Love. what they're looking at. You want to know what they're looking at? What? I mean, is this guy something or is he something? This crew is good. You know what they're looking at? What? Us. So that was smart. That was but smart. the thing about that, mate, is it's, it's again, do you see what I mean yeah. about dragging it out? He doesn't just say, you know what they're looking at? Yeah. They're looking at us. They're up there. Like, it's, it's so easy to script. And this is what I am becoming fascinated about with Hollywood and movies is it is so much more than just writing words. It's about really playing it out because that's, that's so well done the way he just drew, dragged that out for like 30 seconds. What could and have been Did 10? you notice at the very top of this tower, I remember Neil had this camera. Yeah. And at the Neil. end of it, when when I think even Hannah was playing into it, maybe he was waving his arms saying, yeah, here we are sort of thing. And Neil, when he was taking the photos at the very end, he had this little shifty little smile on his face to say, okay, the game's on now, buddy. So moving on <laughs> to probably – the, it's it's funny to say this. Probably the best scene of the whole movie is two guys sitting at a table. 
It's an action film, right? This is big action, big, big epic movie. Yeah. But in my mind, this is the best scene of the movie where Hannah and Macaulay are together talking. Remember, he, he, he goes, look, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Remember, and then they go to the, they go to the diner and they start chatting yep. and yep. talking about how, you know, what you do. Which, and which, so this is, this is one of the scenes that I guess if you're talking about this being based around some sort of true story, like seriously, does this ever this happen? This happened. I will. I'll, I'll tell you more later. But there was a, a time in the in the, the true story of this of this where they did actually sit down at a cafe face to face like this. Wow. And the thing the thing about this scene is not only is it pivotal in the movie, but you got to remember this is the first time that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are in in a scene together. Ever. This is the yep. first time they've been in in a scene acting opposite one another. And I'll tell you why they weren't in the other movie a little bit later, in The Godfather. But this this was just a great scene, just two giant actors just playing off each other and talking about, I think he was asking about his prison record and, and how he says, look, I'm never, ever going to go back. You see me doing thrill-seeker liquor store hold-ups with a born-to-lose tattoo on my chest? No, I do not. Right. I am never going back. Then don't take down scores. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. So we 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 know that the, the, these guys are head to head. They're talking about you know how yep. I think Al Pacino or Hannah describes a dream he has, and um, De Niro does. Macaulay just describes how he he dreams that he's drowning. All these little bits that it's, it's, it doesn't it's really very mean personal, right? right? It's this they're super... kind of they're sort of revealing a bit about themselves. Yeah. And and I think what I like about it is there's this um, this initial get to know you thing where they're like you, you know why why do it and all that stuff and then there's this really personal stuff like the dreams and things, but then it kind of culminates in, in broad terms with essentially a really polite threat to each other isn't it like that's essentially how they end that little that little get together if i'm there and i gotta put you away i won't like it but i'll tell you if it's between you and some poor bastard whose wife you're gonna turn into a widow brother you are going down There's a flip side to that coin. What if you do got me boxed in and I got to put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. We've been face to face, yeah. But I will not hesitate, not for a second. So it's... Battle Sorry, Royale. Yeah. It's it's on for young and old here. But you know, I've watched this enough times, and I always loved at the very end of the scene where they they've they've said what they had to say. There's like a couple of shots just on their faces, and to, uh, Macaulay first he has this little smile on his face, and Pacino has a little smile on his face as well. In my mind, I'm thinking this this was a they're thinking to each other. Finally, mate, we did a we did a scene together. They're sort of they're thinking to each other. That was bloody pretty good. That was bloody good because I'll tell you the the, the director Michael Mann 
when he filmed that, normally in Hollywood when they film a scene like that, they shoot one actor, so over the shoulder of the other one, and then they yep. reverse it, then yep. they do it again the other way. What Michael Mann did yep. for this scene was he ran two cameras at the same time to get them both. Yep. So he, he could capture better better sort of exchange between them. And also he didn't rehearse the scene at all. He wanted this to be fresh and sort of give them a bit more room if they wanted to improvise. Sort of that, That's why he had the two cameras running so that he didn't have to be worrying too yeah. much about the edit, having one in one camera and not in the other. So that 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 was the uh, little secret source behind that scene. So we're now yeah, reached yeah. a point now where they're getting ready for the big the big heist, the big bank job, and yeah. they're at the they're at the grill, and they get a call from Treo, who's their you know the dude who's the driver. He he was going to be their driver for this job, so. He calls them and tells them, and you got to remember, there's still surveillance on some of them, okay? And he is talking about mm, yeah. how he can't shake the cops. Where are you? There's cops all over me, man. They're on me like a cheap suit. I can't dump them. They hit the effect, spot them. No, no, they're doing parallels. I can try to dump them again. How are we going to know if you did? Didn't you draw them to us? That's a Ventura. Pull them out of here. All right. Hey, I'm sorry, man. Last thing I want to do is let you down. So they're, they're now without a driver. And conveniently, yep. and I'll bring this up in the plot holes, conveniently they recognize the grill man who was in prison with Neil. Donald, his name is. Remember early yeah. in the movie, he, he's on parole. The, 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 prick, the yeah. prick who owns the, the diner says, oh, 25% of your pay kicks back to me. So he's he's a crook, he's crook, and he t- asks him on the spot. He goes right here, right now. I need a driver to look after the the the, the drive the, the radios and everything. Are you are you yes or no? And he goes, yep. yeah, fuck it, I'm in. So, despite the fact that he'd made a guarantee to his missus that yeah, he was going clean yep. and all these things, you know, it was it was it's a very very small subplot, isn't it? But it's enough to make you invested in the character that you realise it's a it, it's a it's a tough but quick decision yeah. for him to join the crew. So you like, do you know that. what I mean? Like the, the, his well boss was a prick, though. His boss was treating him like shit, and he thought, totally. "Well, is this what free? Is this what life's going to be like?" He thought, "Stuff it. I'm, I'm. What have I got to lose?" Sort of thing. So that, that's, I think, the reason he made yeah. that quick decision. But we're then next on to the robbery, and again, yeah. just illustrates just how controlled and meticulous and how professional this crew is. So they sort of go in hard through the front door and our Macaulay gives the bank some instructions. Oh, stay down. We want to hurt no one. We're here for the bank's money, not your money. Your money is insured by the federal government. You're not going to lose a dime. Think of your families. Don't risk your life. Don't try and be a hero. Right now, I want you to sit on the floor and put your hands on your head. Anybody feel sick? Anybody got heart trouble? Go ahead and lean against the wall. So he's, they're, they're, the, the robbery seems to be going very well. And what you find is that yeah. what's happened in the in the background, Van Zant and Waingrow have gotten together. So he, in, in his desperation, Van Zant he wants to find out more about Macaulay. And his offsider, which was Henry Rollins, by the way, you might have noticed him as a musician. He, he, he recruits Waingrow, who he finds knows Macaulay and tries to give him an inside track. And then Van Zant's the one who, thought, who I think tips off the police, 
who, because remember, they're coming out of the bank, and so they're in the car. Classic shot of Val Kilmer with yep. a big smile on his face, and then he sees across the road the police, and bang, the gunfight is on. Now, what did you think? Mate, what did you this think gunfight? This? That's what I want to ask wow. you. Tell me what you thought of this. Look, my I, I'm in two minds, okay? Part of me is like, seriously, this is just another Hollywood, you know, shoot em up where no one actually lands a shot. But, again, as a, a layman who's, you know, fired at a few farm animals, you know, wild animals on a farm, it's, you know, it's it's much more controlled circumstance. I don't know how hard it is to, you know, hit someone when you're just blazing, you know, bullets. So it felt weird that they weren't all just killed. Um, it felt weird that there was so much gunfire, but it was bloody awesome. Like it was, again, mate, again, stretched out, yeah, not past its limit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, this is the beauty of this is this could have gone on for half an hour. But they didn't. They they stretched it out to the point where man down. Do you know what I mean? And then and then yeah. it was a battle to you know find find a way to save them. The, I, I liked the, the note battle I've got overall. here in my in my little notes here is the gunfight is epic, three exclamation marks. <laughs> and if you're hearing this, if you've got a good system at home, if you've got a good audio system, this puts every speaker to work. It's it's just uh, the surround on this is really good. The gunfire is, is spread out evenly through through the scene and. Yep. It's a it's a battle, and we'll talk more in the in the, later in the show about what what went on to to create this scene in downtown LA. But what happens in the movie is that the driver, poor old Donald, gets killed by the, in the gunfire. So they're stranded without the driver. Yeah. Chris gets wounded. Remember, he gets hit in the shoulder in the collarbone. Bosco, yep. poor old Bosco, he gets hit in the neck and dies as well. You know, um, the dude that was out of Silence yep. of the Lambs. And then they, they manage, yeah. though, to get in a car and get out of there. Michael, unfortunately, gets killed as well. Maybe he picks up the little girl to try to, to for protection. And then Al Pacino or Hannah, yeah. he, he aims and, and shoots him dead. And uh, But, but um, yeah. Macaulay and Chris managed to get away. Did it surprise you where they went and who the doctor was in this scene? Oh, Jeremy, look, uh, Jeremy seeing Pivot. Ari Gold um, <laughs> at this point... Um, <laughs> You know, um, it didn't surprise me because I've seen enough, um, you know, uh, criminal activity shows to realise you go to a vet or someone yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? You, you go to an underworld med- medical professional of any uh, genre. And uh, I thought it was a good scene because, you know, he's fixing him up. He's telling him he has to rest. Then he's like, hey, take your shirt off. Yeah. This is me. I, I can't go out like this. He goes, oh, my daughter just, bought you know, this good, for my little father's sake. He goes, I don't care. Give me your shirt. And he sort of gave him a stack of stack of notes as well for his shirt. But um, so at this point, it's Neil is on the rampage. He's thinking, "What the hell? Who gave us up?" Yeah. So there's something he thinks it's Treo. Remember, remember the dude he, who rang in and said the coppers are on me. Remember, they're there, one of their crew. Yes. He thought it was him because I think at this point you're like, "What, mate? Of course they're on you." But then you realise, no, this these people plan these yeah. things meticulously, which is why the armoured car robbery earlier is critical because that's that whole yeah. three-minute thing, you know. Once the call goes through, we got this much time. So they walked out of the bank, frankly, quite controlled. They, they you know controlled what I mean? the computer. Like it wasn't like Remember they, they rushed they, they cut into the computer, turned off the alarms and all that, so it was yeah. a professional. At no point would they ever have assumed yeah. that there was going to be an ambush like this. So that's why he's immediately in who gave me up mode, and it's – well, he, like thinks, it's pretty awesome he thinks it's Treo. On a, on a so he though. thinks he goes to see Treo. Um, 
And so he, he finds, though, the Treos, he's wounded in his house. His wife's been killed in the other bedroom. He goes, oh, where's Anna? He goes, Anna's dead. And then he, and he like, he's almost his dying breath. He says it was it was Van Sandy. He says, Wayne Grow. So he gives him up and he, he says to him, he says, look, don't leave me like this. And uh, he he does the honours. But at this point, the yeah. thing, the, the pace has picked up a touch. And now we are talking, we see that, Hannah has gone to see Van Zant's guy. Remember the dude who was his offsider? Remember they go to his apartment, yeah. put, puts him through the plate glass window, and he says, who told you about the robbery? So they found out who the informant was and says, how did you know this? Yeah. So they're trying to sweat him. Meanwhile, Neil decides, well, okay, he, he finds out where our man Van Zant lives, and uh, Van Zant's sitting there watching the hockey, and uh, Neil throws a, a chair, a, a backyard chair in through his window and then and shoots him dead as well. So that's – him off the list. But again, here, look at this. This is the thing about Neil where you go it, – it's all become yeah. personal for him here. And this is the kind of emotional attachment he has to to his job, let alone yeah. the situation. It's because not like him. You walk this up, isn't like him. Sh- Normally he says, look, you go, that's the discipline. No, You've got to be able to but, do, not no, do that. But he could have he he just walked up and shot him through the glass. But no – he wanted to get his attention. He wanted to stand in front of him, and he wanted him to see who was killing but him. But like I think, he kind of Neil Neil went outside of his what he normally does. He sort of yeah, he met Edie. He has feelings for her. He he decides he's going to settle scores rather than just being just disappearing because the he still had the money. Remember, yeah. he still had a lot of money to to get out. And the whole concern yeah. there was with Nate, talking to Nate about his out. He has I need a new out. So his new escape plan plan. So the 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 sort of the tensions building up here, what is he going to do? Is he going to do this? Is he going to go after Wayne Grow if he finds out where he is? Meanwhile, Charlene has give has been given up by the police by Alan. Remember the dude that was in Vegas? So you now the guy who who uh, uh, Hannah went to see. So then now they're doing deals with Charlene to try to flush Chris out to get Chris to come and pick her up. So they're, they're trying to work. And this feels like a really pivotal part because it's like, hang on a minute, they've now got an insider, right? They've got someone in from the crew, essentially, yeah. even though it's a partner. They've got her. They've got her in a hotel, and it's now her job to help them uh, lure someone from the team in so that they can begin to break this up. It's like it's a pretty cool thing because you do think, you know, she'd had the she'd had the irrits with him. Um, she was annoyed with him. She, it, You kind of got the sense that if she was offered witness protection right now for her and a kid, yeah. she'd take it. And she'd be off. That's well, that's the 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 story that the been detective was to sort you. of telling. He goes, "Look, if you you go down for this, you'll be an accessory. Your child goes into foster care. You know, screwed for life." So he was sort of selling this to her as the best her best option. But in in the yeah. meantime, as if as if he never had enough on his plate, Hannah goes home <laughs> and finds that Justine has slept with another dude. He finds another dude there who's obviously been with his wife. And he's sitting there. This is again one of the top yeah, scenes. Watching, top scene. he, he gets there. And he's he's angry, and he finds this guy Ralph. I think his name was. He talks to Justine, but he has an odd reaction to this guy. You know, you can ball my wife if she wants you to. You can lounge around here on her sofa, in her ex-husband's dead tech postmodernistic bullshit house if you want to. But you do not get to watch my fucking television set. 
like if you had to predict what, like imagine this was in like a secret sound thing, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you, but, and you don't get to. Like what is what is the next what thing going to be? There's no way you predict it's going to be you can't, watch my my television. you can't watch my TV. You can, do, you can sleep with my wife, you can't watch my TV. <laughs> Love it. So we see the next bit we see is when Charlene, remember Chris approaches her and he's had a, he's had a haircut, he's had his hair coloured. So he's looking a little bit different. And you can tell he's obviously in pain from his broken or shattered collarbone from the bullet. And he gets out of the yeah. car, big smile on his face. And then Charlene gives him, did you notice that little signal she gives him? Yeah. Such a good thing. She's got, she got a hand on the balcony and she just puts out like three fingers or something. And it's, again, it's brilliant because it's like, okay, so no, she's, she's loyal. Yeah. She loves him. And they've all, all through life, they've had this plan. This is a signal. This yeah. is the signal that I'm, I'm compromised. It's yeah. such a well, cool thing because, yeah. like, that's what if you were in that line of work, that's exactly and you think what you think about have, where they it? were during the movie. Like, they were, remember, there was a scene where he they were arguing and he was throwing things in the house and, you yeah. know, she was having an affair with As I too. said, she, she was, was going to leave him. She still wanted to protect him at this point. So she, she went that yeah. far for him. I think that was, uh, that was a crucial scene as well. So Hannah, at the, this point, now thinks that McCauley's gone. He's gone. What do we got? We've got nothing. He's out. And he decides to go to a hotel and because he, you know, he's not going to go home to Justine. She's just slept with some other dude. So he's going to go to a hotel. And Lauren, his stepdaughter, turns up there as well. And he finds her in the bath. She said she's attempted suicide. This was, what did you think here? Like she sort of was out of the picture thinking, what else, what other surprise can they spring on us here? Is that what you thought here? I was a touch confused because I didn't realize where he was. Okay, so he's he's obviously left the missus. He's at a hotel. How does the girl know? Like there was a bit of confusion there for me. I, maybe I wasn't yeah. following along fast enough. But you know, it was like you knew that she was down. Yeah, she was you troubled. knew that yeah, she, yeah, was yeah, she was hating on life. Um, and again, as you said earlier, it's her father's yeah. fault because he, yeah, he, he just doesn't shit about turn it, up yeah. for her. And but yet, but again, it's this beautiful. I mean, this is again what I'm learning about storytelling. It's this beautiful. You've, you're you're upset to the point of suicide because your father doesn't love you. Yet here's this bloke yeah. in your life who has no uh, genuine biological attachment to you, who clearly loves you more than your real father does, yeah. and he he's distraught and and he, he takes it. This is during when he's he's grabs oh, her out of the bath. He's grabbing really the well towels. Done. He goes, he goes, not you. He goes, all these other things that are happening. He goes, I'm not going to lose you. No way, baby. Come on. And he he, yeah. he puts the remember he, he t- gets the towels and you know, puts his hanky around her arm, sort of tries to cut off her arteries. She cut herself in certain spots, and he was trying to trying to stem the bleeding. And yeah. he rushes her to the hospital. And of course, then. He sees Justine again, and you know whatever happened earlier, that just they forget about it. And the concern is about yeah. how uh, the, the stepdaughter's health. But in the meantime, though, Neil is still trying to get out of get out of the place. And he decides that yeah. Nate. Remember, Nate says to him, he "Goes look, whether you want to use this information or not, it's up to you. But your man Wayne grows under the name of Jameson at this hotel. Up to you whether you want to do it." And we think initially, I'm thinking. He's not going to go. He's with Edie in the car. She's decided to go with him. They're going to get out of the joint. Yeah. He, he, he's obtained a yeah. new escape plan. Edie's agreed to come with him to New Zealand or, or wherever they're going to escape. You know, he's home yeah. free, right? This is, the, this is the crazy thing about this logic is he's home free. But as you said earlier, this is where his logic yes. tips over, you know, the way he, way he assassinated Van Sant, the way everything that happens after that robbery because it went wrong is against his normal character. But in the same vein, I still believe 
that it's true to his character in the sense that he he has this loyalty in his bones, you know, and and that loyalty was yeah. crushed. He wanted to, by this guy. He didn't so want to let not this gonna, guy just get away with no, it. He's not going to. He's Absolutely not going to let that right. settle. So he, he was very clever how he did this. Remember, he disguised himself as a security guard, yeah. sets off the fire alarm, and there's a great point where he's he's put the security guard's uniform on. He comes up to to the uh, to the reception and the and the the informant, the hotel informant yeah. for the police, who was there to you know let them know what was going on. Is is at the front desk, and he does see him walk past. And there's a great shot where the director chooses to show him kind of looking at him walk past, but he doesn't act upon it because talking to a customer, there's someone at the counter as well. Yeah, that was smart. Which, which again, that shot showing that guy because we know he's he's the guy that can tip the police off. That shot shows the the disguise work. Do you know what I mean? It's such a simple thing. He eventually gets up to the room and. uh, he he sees he sees Wayne grow and says, uh, "Look at me." Remember, he says, "Look at me," and then he just executes him in the room. And now it's time to get out of there. Yeah. So he remember he told Edie, "Just wait here, keep it running. I'll be back in a minute." In the meantime, yeah. all hell's broken loose. Hannah's arrived. They've eyeballed each other, and this is the first time where De Niro, or should I keep calling De Niro, where where Macaulay says he he says he makes the decision. Can I just say? Can I tell you something funny about the way you do talk about characters? So much easier for me when you yeah, use okay. the real names. <laughs> because it's – but here's the thing, mate. I I watched this movie once, and I couldn't name yeah, I know really any of the characters. <laughs> like, I'm not absorbing character names when I'm watching a movie. I don't know if that's just me. To, do, to learn. But yeah. it's so much easier to talk okay. about them as people rather than characters. Well, but that's De Niro slash Macaulay <laughs> um, sees Hannah slash Pacino, and you can see that Super. he makes the decision – this is what he says. He goes thirty seconds, and it actually it's less than thirty seconds. He looks at it, looks at the heating and goes, "I'm out." Yep. So he leaves her behind and then tries to make his escape. And then we come, of course. But but what do you well, read into that? What do you read into that decision out. to he's leave out. her behind? He's, he's going to do what he said he does. He goes if he says senses the heat around the corner, he's out. Leave everything behind, and that's what he does in that moment. But he he does it too late. It's too late. Yep. He, he he the luxury of going after Wayne Grow and Van Zandt has has compromised his escape plan. And now Hannah, in this final showdown, remember they, they run on – this was pre-9-11, by the way. So you're thinking, how the hell did they get onto an airport so easily? This is pre-9-11. So um, I still don't think it would have been yeah, that easy, but that's, but that's they, just they run through yeah. and the, they, they, the last sort of – the last confrontation was – uh, around these, around these little structures near the near the runway, and uh, the light, the lights come on for the landing planes, and and Hannah sees the the shadow and turns around and shoots him, and yeah. eventually, what he says, remember when he's sitting there dying, and Hannah walks up and actually holds his hand, and then just before he dies, you hear uh, you hear Macaulay say, "I told you I was never going to go back," and that and yeah. that was the end of the movie. Now, um, the that's hours man that is like i find it hard to fault do you know what i mean like and we'll talk about plot holes and things but it's just it is so it's it's not just it's not really a roller coaster right because it's it's action at all times yeah it's just there's so many little subplots like the uh, uh like the the um the bloke out of jail on parole uh, the chef um the the arguments between a couple of partners that actually play into yeah. the way step daughter works. Yeah. yeah, there's there's just so and many little you know things in there. Like we always talk about Seinfeld as being a show that has about nothing, but there's always all these three story arcs, arcs yeah, right. in it. Well, like 
this is a movie that has a bunch of arcs that all play into and feed mm. a very important role That's at a some good point. point I movie. think that you could have easily taken out a lot of those subplots and made it just about these the cops and robbers. I think it would have lost a bit yep. of the heart of the movie. I, 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 I don't mind that it's Correct. longer. It just it needed a bit of heart. That was the heart that was in it. It's the stepdaughter, the wives. Yeah, the, it, it's without the subplots, yeah. it's a good movie. No, absolutely With it, right. it's a great I think, movie. Uh, the, the, in the, you know, that saying, less is more. Less is not more in this case. I think they needed all of those scenes. So let's move on to your our favourite quotes. And I think this is when, when people are fans of Heat, this is one of the, the lines they quote most often. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. <laughs> that was the that was when they were deciding whether the bank was worth the risk, and 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 Han, um, Macaulay was saying to Michael, "Yes, look, mate, you got plenty of money, you got real estate. Do you need this?" He goes, "Look, for me, the action is the juice." And I think the next line is is the one we just talked about, right? It's that decision yes. moment where he's faced with the decision to go with his girl or walk away, and that's summed up by this moment. Okay, told me one time. Don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. And he says that a few times in the movie. He says it once to Chris. He says it once to the guys after they work out they're being they're being uh, they're under surveillance. And and that time when they met they met uh, him and Hannah met at the diner. That was that was actually that quote from the yeah. diner. But the the wife, I think Justine has one of the one of the best lines in the movie too. After after uh, our man Hannah finds her with uh, with our man Ralph. I may be stoned on grass and Prozac, but you've been walking through our life dead, and now I have to demean myself with Ralph just to get closure with you. So pretty. So in other words, this is your fault that I slept with someone else. I think she was saying. How <laughs> <laughs> they like them apples? She said. Another cool line, uh, again, uh, in the diner scene where they were talking about, you know what, Don't, haven't you got any interest in a regular life? So you never wanted a regular type life? The fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. I'm, that's what I want to try and remember, you know, of all my inability to remember things. Well, <laughs> What, what is that? Barbecues and ball games? Neil wasn't you know? obviously not a family man. And before that line, they were talking about how he's on the downslope of a marriage. He goes, he goes, mate, if you're chasing people like me, how the hell are you supposed to have a marriage? Like, what hope you got? So yeah. anyway, let's move on, mate, to some plot holes here. And the plot hole that I already mentioned was one yep. driver pulls out and another one happens to fill in like one minute later. That That's a bit convenient to... Yeah. To see that it remember Treo says, Look, they're on me like a cheap suit, I'm out. And he goes, Oh, do you recognize the grill man? And then he puts it on him to be the driver. I thought that was a little bit convenient in the same thing. Yeah. I mean, and all that I did was look at it and go, All they've done there is shorten the 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 search for him. They would have like he could have called Nate yeah, or someone to find something that else. guy or yeah. someone like it. But, but it's it set just, up. It's it set up. Yeah, Donald, remember, right. he was sort of on parole. He was getting treated, mistreated by the guy. So yeah. they ended up sort of meeting at a point. I, I can forgive that one. But I guess uh, here's the thing: if you were to be really critical and say, "Okay, how do we reshoot it without that plot hole?" It's actually really simple. The call comes through through from Treo. You know, lose them. Okay, see you, mate. Sorry, you can't be with us. And then uh, De Niro rings Nate or whatever, uh, whatever it was, John Voight, and says, "Mate, we need another driver." And he says. I know a guy, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they make a yeah, phone call. Yeah. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Just, there it is. It was a bit convenient that they're at the diner, they get the call, he's at the diner. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the way you suggested. That would have made it a little bit 
less less plot holy. Uh, the other thing too, and <laughs> like fans of this movie, they know that LA is like a character in this movie, the the, the whole the whole city. Yeah. But uh, Michael Mann has admitted that he did take some liberties with LA and the distance between certain locations. So when they're you know getting from A to B, I think when they were at the police station, then they got to the bank. That was actually they got there in a few minutes. It's actually like an hour away. That he did take some liberties with the locations and the distance between those locations. Uh, in the final scene, here's one that's been pointed out as well. The you know how they they're at the airport and the approach light system was sort of turning on and off for each plane that's coming in. Yeah, yeah it doesn't well, apparently as the aircraft approaches, it's it, it always was, on. It's coming on and off, but in in actual fact, the approach lights always are, are lit at the same level for yeah. for whether there's a plane landing or not. They're not just turned up or down for each aeroplane. So that's uh, the Michael yes. Mann taking a bit of liberties. Things you might not know, Trev, did you notice that mm. the entire film was shot on locations? Not a single soundstage was used. So they were on the street. They were in a home. They were never – there was not a studio used for this whole film. It was all on location. No interior wow. shot in a studio. Now, I mentioned earlier that this was based on the true story of a man named Neil McCauley. He was an uh, ex-Alcatraz inmate. He was tracked down by a detective named Chuck Adamson, who was the Hannah character in the 60s. Now, yep. apparently, McCauley was released from, from Alcatraz, um, and when he was released, he started planning new heists. Adamson, so the, the Hannah, the, that's who Al Pacino's character was based on, he began keeping tabs on McCauley's crew, and he, he knew that he was sort of out there again, active again on the on the scene. And the two met for coffee once, just as it was shown in the movie. And the the dialogue in that scene was actually based on the conversation that the real Macaulay had with Adamson. And the next time they met wow. was just as the movie. They had a gunfight, and Macaulay was killed. So that that part of it. Was I, I got to be honest. If I was to pick. The biggest plot hole in the movie. I would have said it was the. They two did meet. In, in actual fact, they yeah, did. Wow. They did meet that. I think Michael Mann confirmed that in the in that director's commentary. Did you know also that he wrote a 180 page draft of this movie in 1979? He rewrote it after making Thief. Thief was another one of his films in 1981. But he also offered the movie to a friend of his, Walter Hill, who directed The Warriors. And yeah, long story short, they actually used this script to produce a crime show for NBC. They turned it into what became a 90-minute pilot called Heat for, tele- for a television series. So the pilot, which is like a movie-length pilot, was made. And you can, you can watch this. You can, you can find this movie, 90-minute movie called Heat, that was the predecessor to the movie that we just talked about. So it was its first life was actually as a TV pilot, but they decided to uh, to redo the film and rewrite it for the for what we just saw released in 1995. Now I mentioned earlier, De Niro and Al Pacino did act together. They both starred in The Godfather Part Two, but they never shared any screen time because in that movie, which I know you've never seen. Al Pacino plays Michael Corleone in in modern times. Robert De Niro plays Vito Corleone, which was the Marlon Brando character, as he was growing up into The Godfather. So The Godfather 2 tracks the rise of Vito 
the, the godfather, Marlon Brando's character, and Michael Corleone's rise as the new head of the family. That's why they were never on screen together because okay. they were De Niro was playing his father, but it in was they were separated generation. by a generation there. So uh, that's why they were never seen. So that's why when they were seen together on that in that scene, it was like, "Hello, this is like a first. It was it was huge. The other thing too, though, despite them being together, in no scene are De Niro and Pacino's faces in the same frame. They're always opposite each other. They're not together. And that that leads me to there was a myth that the restaurant scene was actually filmed separately. There was a myth to say that oh. they were never together. They filmed separately and stitched it together, but the director, Michael Mann, has repeatedly denied this. They were there together. Now, do you remember that gunfight and just how visceral and, mm. and loud it sounded? What they did, rather than dubbing in the gunshots later for the shootout, Michael Mann had microphones placed around the set so the audio of the gunshots was captured right there as they were firing. That's why it's so wow. loud and, and, and in your face. So this, this added to the, uh, the impact of that gunfight. The gun battle scene also, per take, so every take they made, per take they used 800 to 1,000 rounds per take. So they did a lot of shooting. Yes. Val Kilmer was, uh, was thrilled to learn do you remember in the in the gunfight where he ducks down, quickly changes his magazine and gets up and starts firing again? He does that in like a second. Mm. Apparently, that little bit of footage is regularly shown to Marine recruits as an example of how to perform <laughs> the magazine change properly. So that's a Hollywood wow. actor being shown in a demo to the Marines on how good it is he changed his magazine. What I also learned recently was that Michael Mann was on a interviewed on a, on another podcast, and he said that he's actually writing a novel, which is going to serve as the prequel to the film's main events. So he's writing a novel to yes. like a prequel, so the lead up to this, uh, as well as a, a sequel. He said he he's working on a sequel that so the novel is going to be released next year sometime. That's going to be perhaps used as not only a film that will be a prequel, but also a sequel of sorts as well. So keep an eye out for that. Did you notice, and you sort of brought this up when Edie and Neil were, had the, the backdrop of the star of the lights behind them. Yeah. Now you've got a good eye there, Trev, because apparently the director of photography wanted the background nightscape to be more prominent in the shot. So to focus, if he was to focus on the actors, he'd lose the background. Yep. So here's what he did. They first filmed in front of a small green screen and the background was then filmed separately, but they filmed the background with a camera running at just three frames per second to boost the exposure level. So the lights looked brighter. So that's why it complemented the foreground. So you picked it as fake and you were right. It wasn't actually how it would appear. It was too real. It was too bright, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Mate, you could see the green you could see the chroma key around them. It it was horrible. Yeah. I mean it's super picky, but now here's a did you notice that and you're gonna laugh when I tell you this. The shootout where after the robbery was the intersection of Flower and Fifth Street in LA. And guess what I did when I was in downtown LA one time? 
I'm pretty I sure went there. there. I went there, tried to match weirdo. up the shots. I saw the bank. I remember taking photos out. It was a city bank, and you can see there was all these sculptures out the front of the bank, these metal sculptures. And I was taking photos of the bank, and a security guard came out and says, Hey, stop taking photos of the bank. I said, Mate, they filmed a Hollywood movie here, and you're complaining about me bloody taking photos. But I did, I, yeah, down the hill from the bank is where the inter- main intersection was where they uh, they did yep. film the, the gunfight. So uh, I was you there. Complete I was there, mate. I've, I've walked in those footsteps. Righto, mate. That is the end of our Did You Notice and the end of our show. But give us your wrap-up and rating. And I've got a feeling this is going to be a pretty high rating. I, I think you can tell from my original impressions that this is a cracker. I loved it. I love the pace of it. I love the... The, the storyline, I love the complexity also, um, but I also love the simplicity. It's a weird thing to say, but, mate, this is a nine and a half for me. Cracking absolutely. Movie. And we'll, cannot we'll believe you hadn't seen it until we brought it up in the podcast. Can, does this well, not prove I'm that sorry. you need to get out of it, mate? You need to get out of it more? <laughs> this proves it to me. Now that you're becoming yeah, more sure aware, I think yeah. this, this is uh, – it's really pleasing for me to hear that you enjoyed the movies that we suggest. American Psycho was a bit of hit or miss for you last week, but I'm happy to hear that Heat really rated well with you. What are you throwing uh, me under the next bus week, for next week? Next week, we are looking at A Few Good Men, which is uh, starring okay. our man Tom now, Cruise, Demi Moore, and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Can, you, can you, in your best Jack Nicholson voice, give us the famous line out of that movie? Do you remember the line? Oh, I get, yeah, I do, I do know the line. I do know the line. I could. I don't know the voice though, but it's you can't That's handle it. the That's truth. The one. Uh, look. So, so full disclosure. I've definitely okay. seen this movie um, because I can visualize yeah. that scene, and I could probably imagine a couple of the the part, but I I can't yeah. remember the well, plot. You haven't I seen it the way out. We're going to see it next week. I'm going to really dive in and okay. give you a full tour of a few good men written by Aaron Sorkin. It was originally a play that became adapt that was adapted then into the film. And I'm really looking forward. I won't give you a quiz because you've said you've seen the movie, so you'll probably get the quiz right. But I look forward to discussing next week with you A Few Good Men. That's our next movie we are catching up with on the best movies you've ever seen. Trevor, it's been a pleasure, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Fetch and Sense. We'll be back next week with A Few Good Men.